Alrighty, Ellen Louise House, welcome to Common Ground, Episode 6. How are you going? I'm good. How are you doing? I am really, really well. Thank you so much, so much for joining me and having a chat with me today, um, just oh, about the hospitality you. hospitality industry. Now, the reason I really wanted to get you on the show, and, and, and two facts, um, one... I've never met you before, which is super cool. So I'm going to learn so much about you today. And and second fact is that is you're overseas. So you're my first overseas podcast, which is fantastic. And an Aussie really killing it in uh, in the east coast of America. So um, really appreciate you joining me and having a chat about your career. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. No dramas. Now, um, just for the common ground audience, did you want to just give a sort of a quick synopsis of your of your career maybe in the last sort of five to ten years and, and the kind of brands you've actually worked with? Yeah, so I guess I, um, as every little Australian does, uh, you start out with a part-time job after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I started when I was 14 and nine months exactly. Mm-hmm. I, was old, I was old enough to work. I was uh, sent out to find a job. <laughs> I worked in, funnily enough, I started at Pizza Haven. No way. To do wow. Yes. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yes. I remember absolutely. that vividly though. <laughs> <laughs> and then yep. all the way up to now, I've been, I lived in Egypt for nearly four years. Okay. I was in and out of Singapore, China, uh, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, London, and now New York. All wow. working for various different chains. Yeah. It's all so a bit was of a blur it, the last 10 years. Yeah, I was going to say, did, was basically every move overseas just for a different opportunity that just happened to come up during that time? I mean, I was working for a, um, a Melbourne businessman since mm-hmm. uh, 2013, and he has had mm-hmm. uh, a lot of different opportunities that have come up uh, in various parts of the world, and he's mm-hmm. the reason why I'm here in New York at the moment. Yeah, so, wow. Uh, a lot of my moves are all thanks to him. Wow. It's a bit um, serendipitous to say the least. Um, it is. So, so I mean, looking at your history, you've worked for some some really high-level brands in the sort of QSR and, and, and food sector. If I'm going to go through, like Charlie & Co. and Jones the Grocer and Thrive, which is an amazing brand. Um, uh, food Co. So taking in brands like Muffin Break and and Jamaica Blue, and then and then obviously you know the last year and a bit you've been in uh, in New York City with uh, with Market Lane uh, NWC uh, NYC. Um, what's um? Do you want to talk about that opportunity at the start? Your your most recent one you're working on, and what what you're trying to do over there. So um, about three years ago now, I was sitting at a, I had just come back from annual leave over Christmas, mm-hmm. and the owner and his wife were sitting in one of our drinks at grocery stores, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I'm back from, I'm back from annual leave, how was everyone's Christmas? And the <laughs> chefs were all talking about a um, round-the-world trip they were going on with the owner. And I was like, oh, wow. that sounds so exciting, I'm so jealous, and then... <laughs> They were like, oh, what do you mean? You're coming too. I was like, oh, fantastic. When do we leave? <laughs> it was back in February 2014. We're in New York. And okay. we actually visited our 11,000 square feet site in Tower 4 of World Trade Center. And it was just a concrete slab. 
It was nothing. But very, very exciting. But a lot has happened since 2014 and up until... Mm -hmm. uh, to this day right now um it's new york is a uh is a whole nother beast in regards to store openings um, in what uh, how do you how do you find them different to the to the brands that you've traded in and the openings you've had in in other parts of the world like dubai singapore and australia how do you find it different new york is just different americans <laughs> are just different yeah. It's um it's funny because I was actually out at an industry event last night and uh one of my colleagues actually asked a question and mm-hmm. um he said, you know, how do the how do you think culture plays a part in new businesses within New York City? And mm-hmm. I was like, Wow, that's a very forward question, isn't it? Considering yeah. that the entire room was different cultures. We're mm. all opening stores within yeah. New York, all from different parts of the world. Wow. And to me, I have to think about it just for a minute because you you kind of get immersed in New York. It's the concrete jungle. If you come to New York, you know, they say that you've made it. But mm. have you? You know, that's, that's the kind of mentality that I'm kind of still struggling with. To sure. come to terms with, is this actually working, you know? But there's this... There's this illusion that everything happens a lot faster in New York City, and but in actual fact, it doesn't. It doesn't, right? Did Did you find when you when you first moved there that you had to sort of prove yourself uh, a bit more, and then in other in other places that you've worked in? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I think in my role specifically gender plays a huge part in that. Um, But not because I knew exactly what I needed to do and I had a plan on how to get us there at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you find um, like, it's, it's pretty easy for me, right? Like I've, I've, um, I've probably got the easiest, easiest card in the world that I'm a, you know, a tall white Caucasian male um, and I've, I've been in hospitality for for a good nearly 20 years. Um, I, I find that my experience has got me through a lot, but I think it's just easier probably for me. Do you, do you ever find, um, do, you, do you think it's harder for females to break into this sector of the market and really prove um, that they are just as, you know, uh, just as good, if not better, than your male counterparts? Um... You know, it's very different. In mm. Australia, I never actually noticed a um, the gender inequality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never felt like I was being, um, I guess, judged. Is yep. the correct term I'm going to use right now mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. my gender. But being mm-hmm. here in New York and sitting against a board of 17 males and yes. being the only female... Wow. It becomes a little daunting, and considering I'm also quite young as well, mm. so they also mm-hmm. they also tend to ask those questions of, and um, you know, what's your experience, and why are you here, and why is right. it you and not someone a little bit older? Um, yes. So it's a, it's it's a whole plethora of um, questions, but at the end of the day, as long as I know exactly A, B, C, one, two, and three of what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Everything else is just um, 
white noise around me. Sure, to be honest. sure. Mm. Good for you. I, I can't even imagine what would, that would be like. So, you know, to imagine, like, when I look at your skill set, like, I just go, whoa, like, that's that's incredible. And to work into so many different uh, regions of the world is, is really, a, um, you know, kudos to you. Like, that is that is quite remarkable and exceptional, and I can see why you've got the opportunity you do now. Um, are you – so are you actually trading this brand at the moment in New York, or are you, you guys in uh, about to trade? We are about to trade. Okay, cool. So you're very far, about very far trade. away. About to trade is in like <laughs> next week, <laughs> or <laughs> no, like within the next couple. <laughs> right. Okay. Fingers crossed. It's been a very long path to get here. Put it that way. And um, you yeah. know, in, in Australia, in Singapore, you know, opening a, a new restaurant or a new brand for that matter has its uh, many challenges but mm. given that World Trade Center is a is a whole other beast as well. Sure, sure. Um, there's many rules and regulations and because of the significance of the site as well. Uh huh. You know, we have uh-huh. we we have to be courteous of what is required. Yeah, I oh, totally respect and honor that. That's that's uh, unbelievable and a great opportunity for you guys. How do you Absolutely. How, how do you feel like eleven hundred Square meter space. That's a that's a big site. Um, how do you feel that has been challenging uh, in comparable to maybe smaller sites that you've done either in Australia or in other overseas markets? This is definitely the biggest one that I've done personally mm-hmm. in my career. Mm-hmm. Eleven thousand square feet is just ginormous. Yes. Uh, to me, I remember walking in there, you know, almost a year and a half ago now, and just staring at it again since it's been developed from a concrete slab three years ago to now. And, yes. whoa, okay, how are we going to tackle this? Yeah. But, you know, everything has a starting point, and mm-hmm. you just have to keep – you have to find that starting point. And once you have that starting point, whether it be, you know, your operational guidelines in terms of, you mm-hmm. know, your bakery or your coffee bar, um, starting your database for your groceries that are going within mm. the grocery section of the store – what exactly mm-hmm. the executive chef is looking at in terms of the cuisines that are going to go out of the quick uh, quick service sections of the store as well. How mm-hmm. many seats did we decide on? Is that enough seats to go with? Yes. How many people yes. are actually walking in and out of the World Trade Center on any given day? Yes. What is How's that going to trade? look like? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. every single portion of the 11,000 square feet, it had a starting point. And that mm-hmm. was to break it down into its separate sections and to then begin operationally, then to begin with, obviously, the menus and what cuisines were going in, the databases mm-hmm. for all the groceries and all the staff as well. Mm-hmm. It's been a massive task, but mm-hmm. everything yeah. is in order, ready to rock and roll. Well, that's that's very good to hear. <laughs> talk, talk me. That sounds that sounds like you've got a, an absolute beast on your hands. Do you want to talk to me just through the actual concept itself? What you're actually going to be offering um, customers inside that space? Yeah. So Marketing NYC is the first of its kind. Um, first one happens to be in New York City, the biggest mm-hmm. of them all. Yeah. It is <laughs> when you know our motto is globally inspired but locally focused. So cool. all products are being sourced locally. Um, all of our fruit and veg, uh, all of our meat, 
and obviously mm-hmm. we're using a, an Australian favourite in terms of our coffee as well, who released in New York a couple of years ago. So we're very excited to have Toby's cool. Estate on board. Great um, brand. Mm-hmm. It is, absolutely. Mm. So we're separate into two sections. So we've got about 7,000 square feet, which is grocery and grab-and-go items so that mm-hmm. the everyday person walk, you know, walking through the Oculus to head home to, the, to New Jersey or wherever they may be going can grab cool. all their groceries ready for dinner tonight, or mm-hmm. they can head over to our sushi bar, grab their quick dinner, grab their quick lunch, grab their cup of coffee, grab a croissant, and head out and begin their day. So it's really more about convenience. New York is all about convenience. A New Yorker wants it to be convenient. Mm-hmm. In and out. Do, do you um? Why do you think that is in comparable to other markets that you've worked in? Do you think that's because largely um, New Yorkers are dealing in a smaller footprint that they actually live in and therefore have a smaller kitchen? Or do you think that's just the amount they work comparable to other other people around the world? Or yeah, you know, they they say that sitting is the new uh, smoking. Right. So yep. a lot of a lot of New Yorkers are still sitting at their desk eating their lunch. Uh-huh. So right. for them to actually get out of the office to walk downstairs and to go and buy their lunch and sit outside and eat their lunch is actually, you know, it's a luxury for for businessmen and women, especially of the World Trade Center. Yes. So I guess in terms of convenience. It's great for them because up until now, up until August 16, 2016, there was mm-hmm. nothing happening in the World Trade Center in the financial district. Mm-hmm. So there, there's very minimal places to eat. And if you do want to eat, then it's a cafe or a small restaurant and you have to sure. sit. It's a sit service style restaurant. There's not right. really anything where you can just walk in, grab it, and walk out again. So Martha Lane mm-hmm. NYC plans to bring you know, our beast to that market to tell them, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, we're about to be here, we're about to service and convenience. So yeah, absolutely. Do you, um, when you look back at your, your actual history, do you, what, what brand, what, what skills, is, sorry, is there one brand that you're taking most of your skill set from in order to do this new challenge? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Charlie and Co. Burgers was mm. the turning point for my career. Okay. Um, you know, I walked out of Grilled. Mm-hmm. Who we both worked for. That was cool. <laughs> we did. I think yeah. we just missed, uh, missed each other. On we just missed each other, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Charlie's, you know, I walked into... Um, I walked into a dire situation in the in the Sydney-based Charlie and Co. Burgers when mm-hmm. Dr. Knopf's empire crumbled, and mm. you know I was told just go in and fix it, please. I'm like, okay, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, got it covered. Yeah. That was a massive overhaul. But taking, being able to pull apart a store, redevelop it, put in the guidelines, put in the you know the operational standards as well as hiring uh, performance management training all the staff training yes. manuals making sure that the right people were working for the business and then taking mm. it internationally and then one store quickly turned into four stores and mm. i was promoted to the assistant operations manager for the expansion of charlie and co burgers that was a well. turning point for me mm. Because, because really, you, want, yeah. yeah, you you really 
yeah, I think you would have just learnt on the fly and gone with instinct a lot in a role like that because you probably would have you would have had a lot of skill obviously coming in before that, Aaron. But but I think a lot of it you would have been like learning on the run and just and going with your gut feel. Is that is that a do you think that's a fair assumption? Very fair. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in my first week I pulled out the bun warmer and the oven that was holding burger patties for two and a half hours and I just ripped wow. both pieces of equipment out and wow. said you do not need these to make burgers. Yes. Yes. Wow, there you but go. I went on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you think, like, you've, you're lucky to be working, you have worked in a lot of different regions. Um, I, I've been lucky in the last sort of 12 to 18 months to be work, work for an overseas client in Asia as well. Um, what do you think the main differences are between the hospitality culture in in America, um, especially in New York City, because that's, that's probably a different beast to if you're in LA, for example, um, as, as comparable to a market in Australia, which you've probably worked in the most? Culture-wise, as in people culture? Mm, as in people culture, yeah. 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 You know, there's this whole minimum wage debate going on in, in America. Mm. And mm-hmm. Minimum wage is actually rising over the next three years. So at the moment, it's sitting at $11 an hour. Next year mm-hmm. it goes up again, and then by 2019 it's to hit $18 an hour, uh, the wow. US dollars. Yes, but it's a massive shift. You know, mm. it, it is a massive shift for that for them. But mm. the amount of industry events that I've been to, and the amount of questions that I get asked about how Australia's um, labour force, I guess, is coping with, I think it's almost $24 an hour now yeah. in Australia yep. for a casual yeah, employee. Mm-hmm. How do businesses mm-hmm. survive with that? I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, it takes a lot to be able to, you know, manage your full-time, your part-time, and your casual employees. Mm. But culturally, in America, from experience of the last year and a half, they have options. And they will like, leave, and they will not tell you. Right. They will just be okay. gone. But it's funny because I was actually reading a Richard Branson uh, article a couple of days ago, and he was he was talking about millennials. Yes. And he was saying that uh, we need to be training people well enough so they can leave, but we need to treat them well enough so they don't want to. Yeah, such a good point, right? I think it is it is such a good point. Mm. Mm. But you... the American mentality is. I only get paid $11 an hour, therefore mm. I'm just going to do $11 an hour type of work. Right. And I'm going to work for the amount of tips that I get, and if I get a better offer somewhere else, I'm obviously go to that. I'm going to go to that because I'm money-driven. Do you think that's a fair assumption? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. So uh, moving into a, moving into America in a completely different market um i've seen this the last couple of weeks shake shack has come out and and done uh, a lot of automated terminals um mm-hmm. in order to get rid of um that cashier experience um and and put that money um back into where they want to in a customer experience or in in getting quicker product out 
Um, I know, obviously, McDonald's here in Australia has done that probably the last two years um, with their with their automated ordering. Is that is that something you guys are going to be bringing in uh, to Market Lane NYC as well? No. Mm-hmm. There's still that certain service factor that needs to be involved because if you're just dealing with a machine, you mm. know, what? Well, yeah, it's fun and it's new and it's exciting and technology is the future after all. We're in the 21st century, but yes, that's what, in my opinion, that's what's going to kill the service industry. That's what's going to kill hospitality. Mm. It doesn't become hospitality anymore. It just becomes automated. Exactly. Mm. It's even more convenient and it's cost effective, but, mm. you know, there's no service whatsoever. Mm. So how have you how have you found to make sure that the brand has delivered on the service environment that you want in such a big space? Because a big space like that, you know, at a quiet time, I'm sure you guys probably won't be quiet very often, but um, can be a remarkably different experience to um, uh, to let's say a busy lunch service or a busy dinner service. How how have you how are you sort of hedging? To make sure that you have the experience right within the uh, within the space, but making sure that the wages aren't going to be too high. You, so as I said before, um, each the store's been broken down into into different departments. Mm-hmm. So each department has a a manager, a department manager, and then they phase down into supervisors and then into general staff members. Sure. Um, and then you've got your, your seniority stuff in there as well. Mm-hmm. In terms of mm-hmm. service, there's, uh, you know, at any one stage in any one department, there's going to be either a supervisor and teammates or a mm-hmm. manager, a supervisor and teammates, depending what time of the day it is. If it's morning, then we're going to have managers in there. Sure. At the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to be... Uh, Running it. <laughs> There's any issues. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Running it, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> mm. But, you know, there's this great product that came out of Australia um, not too long ago, and they actually just moved over into the US over the last two years, and it's called Zeus Workforce. Yes. And this program is a um, it's all done over cloud, and it's a scheduling and mm-hmm. payroll integration system. And mm-hmm. the great thing about Zeus Workforce is that it integrates with your point of sale. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. when you sit down to do your schedule, you can actually bring up the data from last week into 15-minute intervals. Mm-hmm. And you can see exactly what sales you made in that 15 minutes and roster accordingly. So no matter what, you're within your range, within your budget to in regards to labor. Um, another great thing about Zeus is that you don't have to uh, download and upload into your um, <laughs> payroll provider. They just take the information and payroll's done. Fantastic like that. It's um, it's quite it's quite interesting when you look at uh, products like Zeus or Deputy or, or or ones like that, and just how they're really starting to integrate into point of sale systems and, as you just said, payroll systems like Zero, for example. Um, mm-hmm. the, the time saving and the the data that's going to be pulled from those kind of 
those kind of products is just going to be exponential. It's going to be it's so exciting to see how those kind of tools are really going to help the hospitality industry. I think over the next three to four years. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It actually helps with um, time management for our managers at the end of yes. the day. It's actually mm-hmm. presenting them all of the information, and they can sit and do their roster within 30 minutes instead of it taking two and a half hours mm-hmm. to manually input all the data, make their decisions. It's actually pulling it all from historical information. So it's actually yep. putting our key employees back out you know, in front of uh, our customers. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it allows it allows it, it's it's a win win, right? Because it allows um, it allows your team to actually work on your team, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and work mm-hmm. on that experience level. Which for a brand of your of your size, and I'd imagine you'd have a hundred plus, two hundred plus employees in a size um, mm-hmm. in a space that big. I mean, that's just that's just critical, absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. So it's a really cool thing. Um, now, I want to ask you, you know, you've obviously been in New York City uh, for, for a year and a half, as you said before. Are there any, um, a lot of the trends uh, around the world? Sorry? Uh, from LA. Um, what, a couple, what are a couple of the brands that you're, that you're seeing at the moment in that space that you're really loving? You know, in, in New York, there's a the emerging market is a organic, paleo, mm-hmm. sugar-free. Mm-hmm. So Hughes, Hughes Kitchen, which is um, just uh, near Union Square, which yep. is absolutely fantastic. There's mm-hmm. another one called City Acres down in the financial district that only recently opened as well. The great okay. thing about City Acres is that upstairs is all grab-and-go food items. So you mm-hmm. can go grab your salad and then run out. But downstairs, they've got about 4,000 square feet of groceries. Wow. And you can also do your organic grocery uh-huh. shopping as well. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. this huge market emerging, emerging in New York City, all revolving around organic. And I think this acquisition that Amazon has made of Whole Foods, Whole Foods is yeah. actually yeah. quite quite poignant in, mm. in the industry, in the, in the food industry, especially in New York, whole, whole, um, Amazon now has Whole Foods brand 365, which is organic only. So what, wow. where are we going to see that go? Do, do you think the whole, really do, do the whole market will eventually move to to organic and free range over the next five years or do you think it's just it's just a cost it's a cost thing that the market can't take at the moment eventually it will get there i think Mm. that um you know genetically modified organisms is just you know people the public are becoming more aware of what is in their food and the chemicals Mm. that are actually that they're actually ingesting so a lot a lot of um, restaurants are now turning around saying, well, what is actually in the food that I'm serving my patrons? Mm-hmm. And we're going to see mm-hmm. a lot more of that change over the next, you know, five years or so. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started to develop Market Lane NYC, we sat down and we're like, okay, so what do we want to be known for? Yes. Are we going to have artificial colors, flavors, 
um, are we going to put in, you know, peanuts and gluten allergies? Are we going to tell them that we have a gluten-free section, that we have mm-hmm. gluten-free pastries? Are we going to, you know, make sure that all the seafood is correctly labeled so in case there's a crustacean allergy? So all mm. of these things are coming to a light, are really coming to a head at the moment where, Allergies are actually more prevalent now than what they were back in the 80s and the 90s. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Mm. And I think I think markets like Australia and, and America are just, we're seeing such growth in, in people with gluten intolerances and lactose intolerances and nut allergies and, and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, it's exciting that the hospitality and food industry is really changing the game and, and really listening to consumers around that, but it's... It's also it's also quite scary that that we have to change in that way, you know. Like it's 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 unfortunate that people yeah. have gluten intolerances, for example. So, yeah. Absolutely, but why? Mm. Why is you know, why is always the question? Why has it increased? Mm. Why has gluten? Why is peanut? Why have allergies mm. increased? Is yeah. that from GMOs? We don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? What and um. Say? Yeah. As a as an ex baker, Erin, I'm I'm upset that people have so many gluten intolerances. So, <laughs> um, oh, bread, no. <laughs> bread, normal bread and sourdough bread is one of my favourite things. So there you go. Oh, um, oh, I love bread myself, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, good. We're on the same ballpark. Um, <laughs> now, obviously, you've been you've been there for a year and a half. Do you get do you get a gut feel that you'll stay in America, or do you think you'll continue to travel with whatever whatever comes up? No, I'm determined to stay in New York City. Cool. Has you know, when you're a kid and you just had this dream. <laughs> yeah, I had this dream when I was like, when I was a teenager that I was going to be dancing on Broadway in New York City because I was a performer back in, okay. in high school. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, didn't quite get there, but Super made fun. it to New York City either way. <laughs> mhm, that's good. But definitely, you... definitely want to stay. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, I've got I've got one final question, which I always give um, my common ground guests, which is great. And I just want to thank you so much for your time um, today and having a chat with me about this new venture. Um, well done on being uh, the first overseas guest. So that's pretty cool. Um, so um, my last question for you is, what would you tell twenty-year-old Erin Louise House? Would you uh, what would you say to her to give us a guidance? Don't change a thing. Do exactly cool. what you've been doing. Cool. Because it'll all work out in the end? Absolutely. Good for you. Good for you. Erin, <laughs> uh, um, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I look forward to seeing what you do with Market Lane NYC, and, um, and hopefully I can visit you shortly. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Sean. appreciate it. All right. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. You too.